0: But the biggest mistake you can make at this point in the cycle is uh, chasing the pump. So the the advice that we have, the not financial advice, life advice, don't be a chaser, hold your high conviction, let the market come to you. Yes,
1: you let the pump come to you. <laughs> don't, don't be needy. Let, let the pump come to you. Yeah, you don't have to respect
0: the pump. Okay, that just means aping into stupid things. Let the pump come to you. Bankless Nation is the fourth Friday of October and the Friday the roll-up might I remind you right before Halloween which means we do something special David and I are in costume today recording this roll-up and I'm looking across the screen looking at this co-host that I thought I knew he's got <laughs> suspenders on he's got a, a yellow t-shirt ducks David shirt. yeah uh-huh. dude you 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 are one of your nfts you're yours the solana nft thing yeah, right i'm
1: my I'm, I'm mad lad yeah uh-huh.
0: you're you're a mad lad i'm today. a mad
1: lad i'm a mad lad today yes so i am a uh, mad lad if we, the podcast editors could put the mad lad on the screen in fact just put it right over f- uh, ryan's face so you can do the <laughs> test for my mad lad versus me, I look exactly the same as my mad lad. It's actually really good. Yeah, this is really uh, good. I, and my this suspenders is the third aren't actually clipped to anything. I'm wearing athletic shorts. The
0: third year <laughs> in a row that you have dressed up as, as your NFT. NFT. Yeah, I've so, only got
1: one yeah. NFT left, so uh, I need to buy another NFT after next year. Yeah, you're going to buy some more this cycle. Yeah, okay, probably.
0: now now do me. Who am I?
1: Uh, you are Sam <laughs> <It> is. <laughs> I did not even need to ask. You are wearing a massive curly-haired wig and an FTX t-shirt. <laughs> It's so simple. You it's need to so, it so cool. pounds, it's so, but other than that.
0: It's so perfect, actually. And uh, do, do you want to hear my Sam Bagman fried impression that I prepared I would, for you guys? I would
1: like nothing left. Nothing yeah, so,
0: so I'm like, um, I'm going to be taking the witness stand later today and explaining to the jury that from an EV perspective, like, I think we made the right calls. And that's what some of your <laughs> listeners don't know, David. Um, I think there's like, um, to some extent, to which one of the major exchanges in 2022 had to die and it just happened to be FTX <sighs> <laughs> Kind of mid. That was pretty kind good. That was really good. Yeah, you're, just not, you're just not on enough amphetamines.
1: I don't care how many pots of coffee you're, you're on. You're not matching him on. I'm not all. SBF energy? Yeah, yeah, well, right. I hope he brings you're not the energy out. today. You're not vibrating like SBF was on our show. Well, that's actually
0: a true story, though. So he mm-hmm. is taking the stand taking today. The stand. I am taking the stand today. So this is not only a Halloween costume. This is um, I don't have any so- solidarity with SBF. I don't wish right. him well, actually, but right. we'll see it, what it, happens today.
1: You're commemorating the day.
0: I'm commemorating the day, the day yeah. we took down uh, one year. It's almost like a, a year ago that all a year. of this happened. November 8th, so, I think, was the day. Yeah. So,
1: so next week. Next week will be one year since the fall of FTX.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm celebrating the, the outing of a fraud and the cleaning up of this space, which uh, we've been doing a lot of over the last mm-hmm. year. But tell us, what do we have for the agenda besides these
1: fantastic costumes that we're sporting? In addition to all the things that we've already teased, we get to say welcome to October. Right, yes. we got a double-digit week this week. It's fine. We were talking about it. It finally came. Everyone, pat yourselves on the back. We got that. Bitcoin is up fifteen percent. Ah, uh, that that feels great. Can we get it again? Okay. Now the next question is: When is the next time that we get double-digit weeks for two weeks in a row? Oh, two what, weeks in a row? one week's not enough for you? Like, can well, we, can't no, we, no, can't we that, just ask for week. this? It's never enough. It's never oh, right. enough. I want to bask this week
0: in okay. enjoying this because this could mean the end of the bear market. Like I feel like this could be a very significant week actually yes. for us. Yes. We also have the Wall Street Journal blatantly lying, blatantly yes. spreading misinformation about crypto, associating it with with terrorism, and failing to retract it. And citizen journalist and friend of the show, Nick Carter, is on their ass to do something on a about path. it. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I, love it yeah. I love the facts coming out. So we're talking about that. What else we got, David?
1: Uh, New York Attorney General charges DCG and Gemini for fraud. So while uh, like Gemini was pointing at DCG and DCG was pointing at Gemini, the New York Attorney General was like, you know what? We're taking both of you in. Both you guys. Uh, both <laughs> you guys. Yeah. Uh, just charges. Uh, so we'll we'll talk about that. Uh, like we said, SBF about to testify, and also a Uniswap app chain gets launched, but by whom? who huh. launched the uni chain uh, we will talk about that i think that this is a great story that totally went under the radar this week ryan did you know that the uniswap app chain got launched
0: david you're so excited about this i, gotta I, tell I think you. this is david's a great story and no one's
1: it. paying attention to it
0: <laughs> this is david's breaking news journalist breaking i'm glad news he, you have the, the journalist uniswap app chain on. got
1: launched <laughs> <laughs> and Uniswap didn't deploy it, the Uniswap Foundation guys, didn't guys, deploy guys. it. Who All deployed right. the UniChain?
0: This is uh this is a bit tinfoil hat, but it's we'll not. definitely get to that uh, later in the episode <laughs> for sure. Uh before we begin, we gotta shout out our friends and sponsors over at Doppel. Doppel? Yeah, so Doppel, not to be confused with Doppelganger, of which I am oh. quite clearly SBF's Doppelganger of today. Do- I've Doppel- always thought this, actually. <laughs> <laughs> sbf rsa huh yeah three Three letters letters. what's going on here yeah (laughs) something weird going but people you can't trust people who uh use their middle name as their main name anyway something else you can't trust on the internet is all the phishing links that you get and doppel plays whack-a-mole with all of the fishers so david we have started using this Mm -hmm. uh service as of about two months ago and they have done a fantastic job every time a phishing site a fake bank list comes up or a fake uh, Ryan Sean Adams account mm-hmm. on Twitter or Instagram. You know what they do, David?
1: They they bang him. They yeah, they <laughs> dopple them they right on the head. Dop,
0: <laughs> dop. They just doppel <laughs> them right on the head. And it's a fantastic service because there are more and more phishing uh, scams and links going on. And if you are a project, a dApp developer mm-hmm. in the space of crypto, if you have a community, you need to protect your community or at least do what you can. Doppel right. is the service to go do that. Um, They have something going on, I believe, for Bankless listeners as well. A free trial. Can you tell people about that?
1: Yeah, free limited time trial to Bankless members. There's a link in the show notes to get started. Also, doppel.com slash sign hyphen up. Overall, it's just like the scammers, the fishers out there are automated. And so the manual reporting of counts is just not going to cut it. You need to fight fire with fire. You need to fight automation with automation. Uh, And so this is what Doppel does. So if you're a project that has customer deposits don't let doppelgangers intercept <laughs> your <laughs> is
0: that why they're called doppel
1: yes of course oh, of course I would, of okay course. yeah I don't let I doppelgangers intercept your customer's funds from going into your project there so you you want tvl yeah. Don't let the doppelgangers get your your customers TVL. That's the, take it that's from the, the take it from the guy with the FT extra, from the guy OK, I, I, yeah. I know a, a thing or two about
0: scammers. <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> uh,
1: David, let's get to the good stuff today. Prices. You ready for this? Yes. Prices. Yeah. Good Markets. looking prices on good looking charts. Bitcoin up 15 percent this week. Fifteen percent. A monster green candle. We saw definitely a short squeeze. Uh, where yeah. people were just caught off sides and then they held onto their shorts for too long. And then what is What is a short squeeze? Well, somebody, somebody's short and then they're like, I don't want to be short anymore. So they have to buy back their Bitcoin mm. uh, to, to stop being short, which... Causes the Bitcoin price to go up, which causes other people to have to do the same thing. Too many people caught on the wrong side. Uh, so Bitcoin started the week at twenty nine thousand five hundred, up fifteen percent to thirty four thousand. Come down a little bit off the top, so we're just just below thirty four thousand. You know what,
0: David? I feel nothing for the pain of the shorters. Okay, that's yeah, what you get for shorting bears this market.
1: Deserve that. Don't <laughs> short crypto. How dare you? Yeah, I'll teach you a lesson next yeah, week too. Get out of here.
0: Uh, this is an eight. This is an 18th month high for um, for Bitcoin, for it, at least yeah. not right now. But it, it shot up above 35K, actually, if you mm-hmm. look at the Kraken charts here, which, uh, as you said, 000, yeah. they are looking beautiful today. I love, I, look, I love this trend I love the line. way
1: that line goes. It looks like the upwards chart emoji.
0: So Bitcoin with an absolutely monster week, up 15% on the yeah. week, uh, or higher, at least from from the time of recording. Uh, how about Ether on the
1: Ether week? Ether, starting the week at $1,600, ending the week at 1776 some freedom numbers, up 11% on the week, also a double digit for Ether. But definitely, Bitcoin won this week. It is a Bitcoin week this week. For and sure.
0: so, what does that mean for the ratio, David? Ratio oh. down three
1: and a half percent, down to 0.052. Not great. Are you worried
0: about this? Like this, this is some lows. It's definitely Bitcoin dominant season, isn't it's it? It's a
1: little bit. It's a little bit surprising. I did not expect to get here. Uh, but I have, like I said last week, I've i reduced my my what do you call it average buy price. Yeah. So you're fine with the the position. Yeah. I mean, I, I've already held it down to this number. I've done this once before with Euros Capital.
0: We're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit more about why Bitcoin is up, and mm-hmm. I think in relation even to Ether and some other uh, assets uh, throughout B- Bitcoin this. Bitcoin
1: being number one doesn't happen often because it's the biggest one to move. It's a, it takes a lot more to move Bitcoin.
0: That's a big story, you know. Yeah. And, and, and in previous cycles, Bitcoin has gone first, and uh, that seems to be what's happening yep. this cycle as yep. well,
1: David. But let's look at the global crypto market caps. Where are we at? On the week. $1.293 trillion, dollars, rocketing past 1.2, almost up to 1.3 trillion. That is, that's nice. That is nice. Look at this.
0: Do you know um, around, let's see, three, four years ago at this time, we were less than 200, 200 million.
1: 200 billion. Yeah, that is a uh, 200 tiny 200 billion, number. yeah. Right? Christ. yeah.
0: So we are uh, definitely up on that time horizon. David, there were some movers mm-hmm. this week as well. So we talked about Bitcoin, which was up. Link, um, RPL, Rocket Pool. And Solana had mm-hmm. monster weeks as right. well. We're looking at the uh, the seven day right here. And let me grab Solana, up 24% on the week. I think Oof, if you wow. sp- span that out a little bit more, it'd be uh, yeah. up even higher. I think it's up 50% on the month. Wow. And we also have uh, Link, uh, Chainlink, with an absolutely monster 43%.
1: In on the one day here. week, wow! The link the the same week that Bankless uh, does our bull case for a Link episode. Uh, Is that coincidence? a coincidence? I uh, don't think so. RPL, RP I haven't listened to that. By the way, how was that? Yeah. It was. It was very bullish.
0: RP, uh, Ripple, uh, sorry, Ripple. I always <laughs> say RPL and I think, Ripple for some reason. <laughs> uh, Rocket I, Pool. I don't blame you. Yeah. A monster week as well. Um, what's What's interesting, I think, about some of these numbers, too, is uh, remember, tokens like Solana mm-hmm. had to go from absolutely catastrophic lows, right? right. So they were down, like, you know, 95, 96, yeah. 97%. When you're down 95%, s-
1: it's easy to bounce back. <laughs> yeah.
0: So Solana right now, I like to, like weeks like this, I'd like to go check the percent down from all-time highs because uh-huh. I think that, that you know, that represents something to me. So Solana, Sol Token still down 88% Oof. from all-time high versus Bitcoin, only 50% wow. from all-time high. That's wow. a huge difference. Uh, and Ether, 63% from yeah. all-time high. So, uh, well, let's just finish that out. Chainlink, 80%. From all time high as yeah. a benchmark, yeah, so really interesting. I have a take about this though, and this is a take uh we threw out during our um our charting episode with uh, mm-hmm. Ledger from Up Only earlier this week. But it's just, I think the mistake that people make at this part in the cycle, David, mm-hmm. is they become chasers, yeah. okay? They look at the charts, the seven days or the 30 day, and they're like, What's pumping? Oh man, my fundamental thesis about all of crypto was wrong, right? So I better go change it. And I better go sell my conviction assets and ape into the thing that is pumping most recently. Yeah. Chase, right? You're
1: chasing the pump. You're chasing the pump.
0: It's a classic mistake people yeah. make at this phase of the cycle. And this phase of the cycle, I think we can call it is the early bull phase of the cycle. Yeah. All right. I mean, we are officially calling our bull we? phase oh, of the cycle. Are we? Are we doing it? I'm ready head? to. Are ready? Do you want to? Yeah. Let's call it. It's yeah. the bull phase of the cycle, guys. <laughs> We're still early in the bull phase, but right. I think we have bro- this week. Sentiment proved has to me,
1: certainly shifted.
0: Totally shifted. We have broken the back on the bear market. Right. Okay. Sorry, shorters, Sorry, mm-hmm. Bears. Your time is short. I'm not sorry,
1: shorters. I'm not sorry, <laughs> I'm
0: not sorry. Uh, but the biggest mistake you can make at this point in the cycle is uh, chasing the pump. So the, mm-hmm. the advice that we have, the not financial advice, life advice, don't be a chaser hold your high right. conviction, right. let the market come to you. Yes.
1: you Let the pump come to you. <laughs> don't, don't be needy. Let let the pump come to you. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to respect the pump. Right. Okay. That just means aping into stupid things.
0: Let the pump come to you is right. the Zen advice on uh, Bankless this week. Mm-hmm. But David, let's get into some analysis because I think people are wondering why is Bitcoin price up? And, I'm wondering. That. Tell me. Well, the easy, the easy answer is obviously we've got Spot Bitcoin ETFs, Mm -hmm. and they're coming. And we'll talk about that um, after the break. But I have three other reasons that Bitcoin might be up that uh, i kind of gleaned. More
1: bullish reasons other than that? That's like the big one.
0: Well, I think the big one might still be the Bitcoin ETF. Although there are people like Arthur Hayes who say uh, there's another reason. There's another force driving these markets. You know what that force is? Tell me. Global instability. War. War. OK. OK. So um, Bic, uh, Arthur wrote a post this week, um, just in general kind of geopolitics, U.S. monetary policy, all of these things. It was called uh, the peripher the periphery. And he said Bitcoin is not up so much on Bic- ETF news. It's up because of war. OK. Mm-hmm. And like he, he throws this chart up. This is the total amount that the U.S. has spent on war since 2001. And it amounts to about 10 trillion dollars. This is mainly Iraq. This is this is uh, Afghanistan, um, and now we, we talked about this last week. Of course, the U.S. is um, Janet Yellen says the U.S. has enough to fully fund um, wars, uh, essentially in in Ukraine and Israel, and to to help preserve and protect their allies and preserve Pax Americana. And right. this is not. I don't think this is really a like a political view. You you right. can politically think that that's a good idea or a bad idea, I think Arthur is taking the uh, perspective of a trader. He's saying, okay, what does this actually mean for, uh, for treasuries, for mm-hmm. government bonds? And his conclusion is basically like, look at this chart. So this it, is um, T-bills, mm-hmm. treasuries, the white line. This is gold in yellow, appropriately yellow. And then Bitcoin is green, okay? And so bonds took a massive hit. Down about 11% uh, over the, since, since the Fed's September 20th market, whereas Bitcoin is up far more than 11%. I think by the time he you know, posted this, it's now up. It's about 30%. And gold is up as well. It, so his, is, this,
1: con- is he just giving the take that, uh, that I was talking about, I think, two roll-ups ago, where just like war is inflationary? Yes, that's that's basically what he's like. He's yeah, wars he probably heard.
0: He probably heard the roll up and it was right. like, David's right. I'm going to write a post about I'm this. Right.
1: Right. I'm going to take that take and I'm going to elongate it into an entire post. Yeah, yeah
0: because uh-huh. and, and he does a great job because it's not just um, Israel and uh, Ukraine. It's also the Asia Pacific. Right. right. And so the U.S. is seeing some, um, you know, cr- cr- creeping dominance fr- from China and it's going to protect its Pacific right. uh, Asia Pacific allies. So Japan, uh, Taiwan, and like he posted the question, maybe maybe China is playing the version of the game the US played with the Soviets back in the 1970s and the, and the 1980s, which is basically get them to spend, 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 right. and Outside. run out of, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, outspend them and win that way. And so he says, a billion here, a billion there, and soon you're talking about real money. The bond market listened to Biden's speech, read his budget, and threw a fit. That's why bonds had one of their worst weeks ever. Mm. Um So if you are a long-term U.S. Treasury holder, the most worrying thing is that the U.S. government doesn't believe it is spending too much. This is what U.S. uh, Treasury Secretary Yellen had to say when she was asked if America can afford two wars. Yeah, no big deal, right? Of of course we can
1: afford two wars. We can print money.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So the conclusion is this. All major economies must ramp up production of war materials to hand to their allies in this new reality. Uh, And in this new reality, he says, I don't want to... Own bonds of any country, not just the U.S. Bad news bears all around. The golden Bitcoin are starting to tell us this. So that's that's the first reason. uh, Other than the spot Bitcoin ETF, that Bitcoin might actually be up. Yeah. Uh, The second is this one. When's the last time you looked at this uh, this chart here, David? This, this uh, countdown, oh, I should that say. Oh,
1: has been a while. <laughs> it has been a while since tell, I have tell, seen Tell the these.
0: bankless audience what we're looking at here. We
1: are looking at the Bitcoin having countdown. And it's been a while since I've seen such a low number. One hundred and sixty five yeah. days.
2: So the that's less, less than
1: half of a year for, and four hours, 51 minutes from the time of that, recording. So hold your breath. So this changes, right? Um, right? I was looking earlier in the week and it was like the end of
0: April. Now it's targeted um, April 8th. You're and right. this is why, what, what's the space... Yeah, Sorry. why does it change?
1: Why does it change? Because more mining hash power comes online. So Bitcoin is scheduled to have a happening every four years if hash power is held constant. But hash power never is constant. It's always up. Uh, and so it, the happening is actually coming sooner than four years because the, the time from a Bitcoin perspective is always speeding up. So what does this drop us down to? Um, annual inflation of Bitcoin right now
0: in block rewards. What is it about, you know, 1.5%, 1.9%?
1: Oh, oh, inflation? Oh, I'm not sure. Well, I mean, let, let me go check ultrasound.money, ironically, as a oh, place cool. to go find out what Bitcoin inflation is. Um, let's see. Bitcoin inflation. 1.685%. 1.7%. 1. 1. 1.7%.
0: It's like it's cut in half. Yep. yep. So 1.7%. So there you go. The, mm-hmm. the halving is near. And, uh, you know, that's the second reason I have. So we've got we've got war, uh, you know, fiat dollar governments printing Mm -hmm. and we've got uh, the halvening coming up. Those are some
1: big, big (laughs) catalysts, never mind the pivot from the Fed, which I mean, there's no indications of that. But we know that that that's more ammo that we have in the quiver that will happen at some point. Yeah.
0: And uh, my my third reason here is I think you'll uh, resonate with this. Yes.
1: It's time. Why is Bitcoin pumping? It's It's time. It's time. It's time. Yeah. It's, so, it's, so it doesn't, sometimes markets don't need a reason. Yeah. <laughs> the, a, the, a, the reason of bears being tired of being bearish is a catalyst because yep. that, that is the zeitgeist of the time. Like one yep. person goes like, oh, you know what? Fuck it. I'm buying. I'm yep. done being bearish. Well yep. then, you know, they message their friends. It just spreads. It spreads through crypto Twitter. People just stop bear posting and they start bull posting. It just, sometimes it just, it just happens through the intrapsychic layer of humans which is also a catalyst and that's what that's what I think we're saying is that's what happened this week like the average human just you know decided that we're bullish now yeah it's like, why be bearish any yeah, longer? Why? They're putting all the pieces together. I mean, I've always been saying that, but, you know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, but now it's the sellers now who have to saying, be exhausted, yeah. right? right? And we I think- the sellers to
1: stop being bearish.
0: It's very obvious with, um, you know, SBF getting his day in court and all of these right. other things that we'll be talking about later in that episode. Suzu the, in jail, yeah. The bad news has been absorbed by the market adequately. Yeah. Like, yeah. all of the bad news has been fully priced in. So maybe now it's just time for Bitcoin to go up. And mm-hmm. it wouldn't it be odd if this happened? Because it happens every freaking four years, guys it's
1: right. another catalyst, the four <laughs> years here it is the meme layer. Yeah,
0: so maybe we should all just stop overthinking it. Um, it's time to for stop Bitcoin being to bearish. Go up. Uh, David, what do we have coming up next?
1: Coming up next, talking about the Bitcoin ETF. We've got some news to talk about that, but also we got to talk about. I think this is going to be great. Calling out the BS. Nick Carter just leading a vendetta against the Wall Street Journal because the Wall Street Journal has posted just totally debunked information Lies. that Elizabeth Warren is citing, and they can refuse to retract it uh citizen journalist nick carter having absolutely none of it uh spf of course taking the stand today the day of recording we sadly won't be able to comment about it but we will share what we know all of this and more coming up as soon as we talk to some of these fantastic sponsors that make the show possible especially kraken our preferred exchange for crypto in 2023 if you do not have an account with kraken Consider clicking the link in the show notes to getting started with Kraken today. Kraken Pro has easily become the best crypto trading platform in the industry. The place I use to check the charts and the crypto prices, even when I'm not looking to place a trade. On Kraken Pro, you'll have access to advanced charting tools, real-time market data, and lightning-fast trade execution, all inside their spiffy new modular interface. Kraken's new customizable modular layout lets you tailor your trading experience to suit your needs. Pick and choose your favorite modules and place them anywhere you want in your screen. With Kraken Pro, you have that power. Whether you are a seasoned pro or just starting out, join thousands of traders who trust Kraken Pro for their crypto trading needs. Visit pro.kraken.com to get started today. world use cases for ethereum without compromise and real world adoption is happening active addresses on cello have grown over 500 in the last six months with the cello layer 2 gas fees will stay low and you can even pay for gas using erc20 tokens but cello is a community governed protocol this means that cello needs you to weigh in and make your voice heard join the conversation in the cello forum follow at cello org on twitter and visit cello.org to shape the future of ethereum all right, guys, back to the main
0: reason Bitcoin might be up that everyone's talking about and I think has a lot of substance, the Bitcoin ETF. Uh, we know that's coming. We think it's coming. We've had analysts predicting it, you know, 90 to 95% certainty uh, by January 2024. Did mm-hmm. something new happen this week? That's the big question. Is that why Bitcoin is up? Um, a few things did happen this week, actually. And the, and the first is this. BlackRock is now seeding the spot Bitcoin ETF. Okay, seeding mean? it. That means BlackRock is um, putting some initial funding from their bank and broker to create a few units of Bitcoin. It does oh, not BlackRock's mean-
1: BlackRock's actually buying Bitcoin. They're buying Bitcoin. Now, BlackRock's it does buying not- buying Bitcoin to to prepare for their ETF. Yes. They have Ooh. to do this.
0: Like, hey, does it work? Is it is this, hey, is, is this, this thing, thing on? on? It's <laughs> testing, right? Like, they're just buying some Bitcoin. Now, this is not buying in bulk. Just setting up
1: my Bitcoin ETF. <laughs> yeah.
0: But the fact that so they're not buying in bulk yet, but the right. fact that they are doing it and they're doing right. it publicly, right, they've right. just like announced to the world right. that they're doing this. Uh, that is a sign that right. uh, we are getting closer. So that is a thing that uh, certainly happened this week. But I think the big question on everyone's mind is when the Bitcoin ETF comes, because it is it is coming mm-hmm. uh Will it make a material impact on Bitcoin, the price of Bitcoin itself? Or will this all be front run? Will this all be priced in by the time we get a new Bitcoin ETF? Or will there even be any demand? I mean, like a lot of uh, people would argue we've had Bitcoin already. You can go buy Bitcoin in your Kraken, thanks Mm to Kraken, uh, exchange right now. Anywhere in the like, basically anywhere in the world, and so why do U.S. residents need a Bitcoin ETF? Well, this is a tweet from Eleanor Tarrant. She is a reporter for, she's Fox. a reporter for Fox Business. What is she saying here, David?
1: She says I've been speaking to a couple of TradFi execs regarding the Bitcoin spot ETF, and I think it's interesting how mind blown most of them are about the level of interest that it's created in regards to the Bitcoin major rally. She says, quote, I mean, we're excited for these products to come to market too, but this level of hysteria is something that we've never seen before. And she concludes in saying, seems stratified, can't quite believe how much demand there actually is for mainstream crypto asset investing. So this is demand, this mania, this hysteria that she's talking about are just from average people who have their capital, their money out managed by you know financial advisors or money managers. And that, all the all the money managers, what she's saying is like all the all the financial advisors, like yo, like we're also excited for the spot Bitcoin ETF, but our clients are really excited about mm. it, and that's what really matters at the end of the day. Uh, I, so
0: I, cool. I I I want to believe this. Right, this right. is a very hypey tweet. Right. Sometimes you wonder whether it's just a hypey tweet somebody puts out there for like, I engagement to believe.
1: I mean, well, look at all the things that are going on that we had the seven different reasons why Bitcoin is bullish. Like at least a few of those have to be landing with just normies.
0: David David is choosing to be bullish this I week as believe, well. Yeah. Um, here are some numbers that back this up. And I, I find this analysis helpful as well when you comp- compare that to kind of the, the normative analysis there. This is from Alex Thorne. Of, uh, he's an investor at Galaxy. Mm-hmm. And he actually ran the numbers based on projected inflows, projected demand for the Bitcoin ETF. And he based this on a number of factors, I believe, um, past performance of, of the gold ETF. He really looked at um, the total sizing of the market inflows. And we'll, we'll include a link in the show notes to, to this tweet and some of his analysis. But he thinks that post-Bitcoin ETF, Bitcoin could see another 75% price appreciation. So almost a doubling of price. And that is based just on year one inflow, so in the first year, uh, and he gets to a number of about $15 billion of net new buying activity into Bitcoin in year one. And he kind of backs into that number based on the number of uh, broker-dealer purchases that are going on, the number of bank purchases, the number of registered investment advisor purchases. And uh, yeah, I think it's some compelling numbers. So he's saying 15 billion in inflows into Bitcoin, net new purchases of Bitcoin in year one, and then he's projecting uh, 26 billion in year two, and almost 40 billion of Bitcoin inflows in year three. So
1: that's a lot of inflows, man. That's a, that's a lot of inflows. And importantly, this th- this amount of inflows is doesn't end there. That's not the only new inflows. There will be inflows that will buy Bitcoin ahead of these flows. Because they know that these flows are coming. What do we say at the start of every episode? Front run the opportunity. Like if you are buying Bitcoin in your stock brokerages through the Bitcoin ETF, you are no longer early. I would say actually the mark of like being early to Bitcoin is buying Bitcoin before the ETF exists. I think you're right, David. I think once the ETF exists, you are no, there is no more early buyers of Bitcoin. Yeah, uh, you're at
0: least in the, you're, you're not in the early adopter. You're maybe not, in the yeah. early majority or something yes, like that.
1: Early majority. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But importantly, like this fifteen billion dollars of new buy pressure that's coming this year is going to incur like another fifteen-ish billion dollars of just like people buying because other people are buying, and that's what a bull market is.
0: Yeah, and I I I don't think uh, crypto natives fully understand the size of this potential market, right? Mm -hmm. So um, here's some numbers here: the size of assets under management that. Uh, get exposure when there's a good Bitcoin ETF. Broker dealers alone, they have 27 trillion in assets. Again, that's the total market size of this. Banks have about 12 trillion that they could de- be deployed. And the big one that I think I'm most interested in is the Edward Jones guy. All right, it's like the financial advisor in the U.S. Uh, that is going to. Say hey! Now I have a product that I can sell my um, you know four hundred one k users who come to me for financial advice. Um, that is almost ten trillion in assets that registered investment advisors have in the U.S. So it's an absolutely huge market. The, the other thing I I think with all of this this kind of pressure on the SEC to like make this happen. Um, the bigger question is when we zoom out is why don't we have a Bitcoin ETF already? Like that's at some level, David, that's the more amazing part that the U.S. still doesn't have a Bitcoin ETF. What's his tweet from Nate Grassi say?
1: Yeah, he just like lists all the terrible ways that we have Bitcoin exposure through through like normal, typical trad rails. You know, GBTC, which is off 25%. Uh, MicroStrategy, which is you know, like a proxy Bitcoin exposure and is being used for Bitcoin exposure, even though it's a company. Uh, Buying Dogecoin, (laughs) Bitcoin futures ETF, 2x leveraged Bitcoin futures ETF, blockchain quote unquote ETFs, ETH futures ETFs, all before a very simple product that is the spot Bitcoin ETF. It's just lunacy. It's just insane that, that we have these things in trad accounts and not a very simple spot Bitcoin ETF.
0: All of these, apparently, according to the SEC, are safer
1: than the spot Bitcoin ETF. Right. Here's
0: how Hester Peirce put it in an in, interview. x
1: futures Bitcoin ETF. Give me a break.
0: Yeah. This is Hester Peirce on uh, Squawk Box on CNBC. All right. Let, let me play this clip for you guys. And I can't, I can't say whether or not the, the commission is, is ready to approve a Bitcoin exchange traded product. I've been thinking we should approve one for the last five years. So the, the logic for why we haven't has always mystified me. Uh, the court case, obviously, is is an important factor in the landscape, but um, I can't guess as to my colleague's approach to this topic.
1: What ha- <laughs> I Man. can't guess my <laughs> colleague's approach to this topic because he's an insane person <laughs> and he's unpredictable.
0: Oh, wow. Hester Peirce, again, SEC commissioner, is, is mystified uh, yeah. about her colleague's approach to this. Um, It's not just the Bitcoin ETF either. You know what's actually underpriced and probably like undervalued by the market right now, David?
1: I have a guess. (laughs) It's
0: the (laughs) Ethereum spot ETF. And that is coming too. This is from James Seffert. He is talking about the filings for a spot Ethereum ETF. Um, This one specifically he's got pointed as the fifth currently active spot for Ethereum ETF finally like
1: the bitcoin spot etf has like uh, in the teens of yep. number of contenders ethereum's got five eth has five spot etfs so like the, the count the number of catalysts that we have bro like after the bitcoin spot etf it's the ether one
0: it's got to be the ether one right and yeah. uh, this one specifically it's got a deadline of july of 2024
1: Ooh, i'm going to schedule them out <laughs>
0: Well, you should, David. Schedule a mountain for July of next year, because um, I think that within months, it could be the case that we actually have an Ethereum ETF after our Bitcoin ETF. And if you want another prediction market for all of this, you can go look at the Grayscale ETH-E price chart or the Bitcoin GBDC price chart. Okay, this is again, these are these trust type products that don't trade exactly. Um, you know, to one-to-one with the Ether or Bitcoin spot price. Not even yeah, close. Make, yeah. Because it's almost like a prediction market on when these products will convert right. to uh, full ETFs, to right. actual spot ETFs. And the gap has closed on this. The right. premium to NAV has what closed did, on What this. did
1: I say? Do you remember, uh, I think it was like December or January of 2022, right after FTX, yeah. and these things hit their lows, their, their uh, discount, the ETH E discount to, to net asset value, same thing with Bitcoin. I think it hit a low of like negative 40%. What did I say? I said that the bull market will very clearly be back on when we can recapture the lost capital, the billions of dollars of deleted capital mm. because of the ETH E discount and GBTC discount. Mm. We are watching that in real time come back to zero. Where are we at? Negative 19, still a lot, still a ways to go but very much healthy uh, healthily off the bottom of like negative 54%. So going from negative 54 to negative 19% off of net asset value is the restoration of billions of dollars of capital into investors hands. Yep. The the degens are being refueled. Yeah. And so we, as this approaches zero and we actually restore that billions of dollars of capital, this uh, this like frees up so much capital to uh, to get unlocked.
0: Yeah. Well, in a bull market, it'll probably go above uh, right. zero, too. It'll go into the, the positive territory. Well, if it
1: turns into an ETF, it'll always be at one, finally.
0: And it, that, that was uh, Ether, the numbers that you gave. I right. mean, it was down about 50% for uh, Bitcoin mm-hmm. as well. And now it's only down 14%. Yeah. So the gap is closing. And I think that's a prediction market on when Bitcoin, mm-hmm. when Ether, ETF. So that's what's going on in the world of ETFs. David, there's some lies going on. Uh, in mainstream media this week about crypto about specifically crypto and its ties to terrorism mm-hmm. what are we gonna talking about next
1: the wall street journal is being called out for reporting misinformation that everyone knows is misinformation about how crypto is involved with terrorist financing, specifically with Hamas. Now, other organizations have also reported similar things and then they have retracted the statement after organizations like Chainalysis and other agencies reported, showed that the numbers were wrong and they then provided the correct numbers, but not the Wall Street Journal. Now, that would be one thing if the Wall Street Journal was just taking their, you know, journalistic malpractice to the face and, and just, you know, whatever dealing with it. Except Elizabeth Warren is using this and citing the Wall Street Journal in letters to the White House. Ryan, we've shown this particular Wall Street Journal article on the weekly roll-up before. It was uh, either two or three weeks ago, right after Hamas uh, in, invaded Israel and had the start of the conflict there. And we talked about the use of crypto and how crypto ended up in the hands of Hamas. This is the article in question. So here we are two, three weeks later after another individual, Sam Sam Callahan, uh, who tweeted out, it has been confirmed that this article is patently false. It was straight up fake news. So
0: we're looking at the title of this article, Hamas Militants Behind Israel Attack Raised Millions in Crypto. And here's Millions the subtitle in on this article. Yep. Digital currency transactions highlight how U.S. and Israel have struggled to sever the access of Hamas, Palestinian Islamic Jihad, and Hezbollah to foreign funding. So again, tying crypto directly mm-hmm. to terrorism. And then last week, David, remember we talked about that letter that was signed by 100 members of Congress that Elizabeth Warren spearheaded? was mm-hmm. basically like, hey, um, we've got to do something. about cryptocurrency and terrorists and like the 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 use of cryptocurrency by terrorists in particular hamas and she sourced and
1: cited this This, very article that's the problem yeah so sam callahan a twitter account says last week the wall street journal published an article claiming about 90 million dollars worth of crypto was used to fund hamas a serious claim that gained significant attention he continues and says, It was confirmed that this article was patently false. It was straight up fake news. And this has been confirmed by Chainalysis, the people who would know, which, which ran the numbers themselves. It turns out the authors of the article mistakenly counted an entire exchange's trading volume of $82 million <coughs> for, terrorist group, for a terrorist group's address, which is a rookie move. The actual funds that went to the known terrorist linked addresses were substantially less. Do you want to know how much less they were, Ryan? Versus Uh, versus 90 million. million, Versus 90 million, 82 million. Yeah. mm -hmm. Yeah. $450,000. Oh, my God. Yeah, those these are into different numbers. Yeah. Okay. And, and like you said, Ryan, Senator Warren wrote this letter to the White House where she said, Indeed, between August in 2021 and the past June, the two groups raised over $130 million in crypto. Whoa. As the Wall Street Journal reports, researchers who study Hamas's financing said crypto remains a number one tool the groups use to raise funds. So here is where Chainalysis comes in with their statement. Look what's have, cited here, too, in this letter, David. The Wall, it's a very yeah, yeah, the number we're one just citation, at. The Wall Street Journal. Chainalysis released their statement saying terrorist orgs have historically used and will likely to use and continue to use traditional fiat based methods like financial to, uh, institutions and shell companies, AKA TradFi, as their primary, primary financing vehicles. But some or terrorist organizations raise, store, and transfer funds using cryptocurrency. This is true. Thanks to the transparency of the blockchain, crypto has for years proven to be an ineffective tool for terrorism financing at scale, but even small amounts of funds can do tremendous damage and should be investigated. Again, they're not they're not discounting this, they're just trying to put it in perspective. Taking a closer look at these counterparties, we find more evidence that it's likely that some kind of service provider, and of the roughly $82 million in crypto received by uh, this address, about $450,000 worth of funds were transferred to the known terror-affiliated wallet. So basically saying the number is $450,000, not millions and millions and millions. <laughs> it's a big freaking difference here. It's a very big difference. Yeah. So Nick Carter comes in and Nick, Nick Carter, I would say he, he's written like academic articles before. He knows a thing or two about journalistic integrity. So he gives this recap saying, first, Wall Street journalists, and then names them, Angus Berwick and Ian Talley. Write a flurry of articles citing eclip- uh, Elliptic Data, which is another um, publisher. We'll, we'll talk about that in a sec. Claiming that PIJ, a Hamas affiliate, raised $93 million in crypto. Second, Senator Warren uses this article to claim Hamas raised over $130 million in crypto. Don't know where that name came from. This article is the sole citation in her letter, the Bloomberg article. The entire letter, Elizabeth Warren's letter, depends on the Wall Street Journal article. Third, over 100 members of Congress signed the letter, which asks for Biden administration to further crack down on crypto. Next, Chainalysis comes out with an article disputing the Wall Street Journal claims, saying that instead of the $82 million, the real figure is around 450000 And last, the Wall Street Re- Journal refuses to follow up or retract, instead wow. writing more articles relying on their claims. Wow. Oof. Oof. That is bad. So they're refusing to redact that, too. So the
0: source of the data that the Wall Street Journal, um, they they weren't looking at these on-chain transactions. Mm -hmm. They were getting this from a company called uh, Elliptic. Mm -hmm. What did Elliptic say in the aftermath of this?
1: Oh, well, they wrote an article, Ryan, saying, setting the record straight on crypto crowdfunding by Hamas. And they corrected the record and issued a retraction of their original statement. Saying, the first bullet point here, there's no evidence to support the assertion that Hamas has received significant volumes of crypto donations. Hmm. So, correcting the record. So, somebody's doing it. Somebody's going back and saying, yo, we effed up. Sorry. Just not the Wall Street Journal. Then here's Ian Talley, the author of the article that came out of the Wall Street Journal, just absolutely doubling down. And if really? Yo, know, digging his heels in. They're and doubling so, down on this? Oh, it's they're not- doubling down bigly. Yeah. Uh huh. What uh-huh. it, it, do they have any data are they like actually
0: bringing Oh my god no, I see No this okay tweet. so
1: this this tweet that which is this guy trying the you got the the Twitter community notes to correct the record which is how right. you know you're off uh, okay. and so this tweet from the author gets 155 likes And then Nick Carter follows up and says, you are a liar. You have been found out. Now do your job and publish a retraction. Salvage some dignity coming in at 1.3 thousand likes. That is a massive massive ratio. This
0: reporter is just doubling down down. on misinformation.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not great. Uh, So Nick Carter follows up and and, uh, he retweets. Welcome back to Twitter. I see that we have your attention. Elliptic and Chainalysis have rebutted your analysis. Your kingdom is crumbling. (laughs) But yeah, dig your heels in further to see where it takes you. He just is on a roll, man. Another take from Nick saying, make no mistake. Journalists and senators lying about crypto financing terrorism and pinning, pinning the blame on us is an existential threat. If they win that information war, there is no limit to government aggression. This is our battle we need to win. And the truth is on our side. <laughs> and so here's the meme from from Nick Carter. He's got the SpongeBob meme of to-do list, and it's one, Elliptic corrects the record, which is done. Next, Wall Street Journal retracts. Next, Warren Letter signatories retract. Last Liz Warren fesses up. <laughs> if that we last one's any not happening. These, <laughs> that last one's not happening. That last one's not happening. Brian Armstrong weighing in too,
0: saying, this is crazy. An inaccurate Wall Street Journal article caused 20% of Congress to sign a letter. That's scary. It's mm. crazy. Liptic has now refuted the evidence in the Wall Street Journal article. Wall Street Journal, will you issue a retraction slash correction? They haven't yet. At no, the time of recording, Wall Street even. Journal has mm-hmm. not retracted this.
1: Bology comes in and says, the refutation could not be stronger. Will Wall Street journals, authors Ian Talley and Berwick correct the record? Quote, there is no evidence to support the assertion that Hamas has received significant volumes of crypto donations. That's uh, the line I read earlier.
0: David, it's not great, but the good news great. is, uh, as Hester Peirce has said before, we have the courts on our side. We also have yeah. truth on our
1: side. And I love I think the truth is on come my out. side.
0: It's in, it's in the blockchain. Go it's, look up the data yourself. It's on the blockchain. It's right? <laughs> <trip> blockchain. <Yeah. laughs> I mean, the records are clear here. Um, what's going on with our friend and my doppelganger, SBF this week, David?
1: <laughs> so SBF is going to take the stand. He's going to do the thing that he is so good at, which is just running his mouth. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's been a bunch of analysis as to like why is SBF going to? Why is he deciding? Like, this is risky, is, right? Why is he doing this? Yeah. Uh, and so here, here's how this has gone so far. Uh, Sam's defense has struggled, as you could imagine. Uh, the prospects for Sam don't look good. Uh, mm. The judge has even denied seven expert witnesses that Sam would like to have proposed to call to the trial. Uh, I, I, don't know why, but not great. Like you're just being removed of your collateral. Uh, I would suppose that like, uh, maybe there's a handful of reasons. Um, they've also denied many of, uh, Sam Bankman-Fried's arguments and evidence. And f- he of course faces decades in prison if he's conic- convicted. So he's not, it's not looking great. So this is potentially a new strategy, um, it feels like a hail mary to me, David. It feels, it feels like a little like bit of a hail mary. It's not yeah. going well. So what do we got? We'll just what put. We got? Yeah. we'll
0: just put SBF on the stand and hope mm-hmm. maybe he can talk his way out of this. I think part of the idea is um, they the defense wants SBF to appear that he didn't intend. To commit any right. fraud, that prosecutors are painting him as some kind of criminal mastermind. He's just a guy that got, you know, caught with too much complexity in crypto right. and financial products. They're all incredibly complex. And hey, I'm Sam. I just, I just got stuck in the in the middle of all of this. And so they're hoping they can paint that that kind of a portrait. The thing that I, I think they're exposing a lot of risk to, David, is that um, the prosecution knows all about this, and they have the receipts. Here's a formal federal prosecutor saying this is a a risky maneuver, and he says, I expect they've been preparing, this is the prosecution has been preparing, I expect they've been preparing for SBF to testify for a long time, and they've mined all his prior statements, whether Mm. it's tweets, you remember some of those tweets, right, David? His emails, his texts, public statements, they got all that information that he made about the company, and they're going to just sit there and impeach him with them. Mm -hmm. I'm sure they will. So that is probably going on right as we record this. And we'll have some more info for you uh, next week about SBF's trial and what happened when he took the witness stand.
1: I think there are some assumptions that we can make about how this is going to go down based off of past evidence. Uh, I will make the assumption that the prosecution does, knows everything that there is to know. There's nothing that Sam has been able, the cards that he's kept close to his chest, those don't exist because he's yeah. a blabbermouth. So there's nothing that the prosecution does. <laughs> and doesn't so is everyone know. around him. So there's there's are no his, like ace up his sleeve. He doesn't yeah. have anything. It is a Hail Mary. Yeah. And I'm going to also guess that the prosecution is just like licking its lips like, "Yes, he's can be on the stand. Are you serious? Dude, this David, is great." I think this is a real picture of this is a real uh, picture. Sam
0: striding into court this morning. And the quote here from the the person Mm -hmm. who tweeted this, when you know you're going to prison for a few decades but the doc just filled your Adderall prescription. This is Sam, just like cocaine confident, walking into court. Uh, the morning for, for the for the full, testimony. full
1: picture, he has his shirt just like not tucked in <laughs> at all. He's a little bit scraggly looking, and then he has his massive ankle bracelet on his. Oh, I his just pants. noticed that. Yeah, I bro. thought his. uh, <laughs> yeah. I should have uh, added that to my costume, David. First, yeah, <laughs> maybe you do. We can't really tell. Yeah. Um, anyways, I, I, the other assumption. This is this is my okay. This is I don't have any evidence for this, but. Um, I'm going to go ahead and guess that after having spent so much time with Sam, that Sam's lawyer is like, I'm effing tired of this kid and I don't really have any more patience for him. So F it. it. Just put him on the stand. Oh, I, I don't know. Anymore. Maybe.
0: Maybe. I, I do think it's a yellow type, uh, type of move here. So David, we got more to talk about though. What's coming up?
1: Yeah, I got some more tinfoil hat stuff for you guys. The uni Chain is on. Ethereum is deployed. An OP stack Unichain. Who, who did this? We'll talk about that. Was the DCG fiasco bigger than Enron, New York Mm. Attorney General, coming after DCG and Gemini? And then also, there's a new Speaker of the House. Sadly, it's not Tom Emmer. But is he crypto-friendly? We'll ask all of these questions and answer them as soon as we talk to some of these fantastic sponsors that make this show possible. Like MetaMask Portfolio, as you are prepping your bull market battle station, because the sentiment has shifted, make sure you know how to operate battle station that is your metamask portfolio there's a link in the show notes to open it up today metamask portfolio is your one-stop shop to navigate the world of defi and now bridging seamlessly across networks doesn't have to be so daunting anymore with competitive rates and convenient routes metamask portfolio's bridge feature lets you easily move your tokens from chain to chain using popular layer one and layer two networks and all you have to do is select the network you want to bridge from and where you want your tokens to go from there metamask vets and curates the different bridging platforms to find the most decentralized accessible and Reliable bridges for you. To tap into the hottest opportunities in crypto, you need to be able to plug into a variety of networks, and nobody makes that easier than MetaMask Portfolio. Instead of searching endlessly through the world of bridge options, click the bridge button on your MetaMask extension or head over to metamask.io portfolio to get started. The
0: last thing we have to clean up is digital currency group DCG. This is a genesis. Uh, Gemini Earn was involved over a billion dollars in retail depositors' funds lost. The New York Attorney General says this is a bigger deal, the, the fraud that uh, digital currency grip pulled. It's a bigger deal than Enron. Bigger than Enron, actually. What's going on with this case, David?
1: Yeah, so New York Attorney General uh, Latita James files a lawsuit against DCG for, more, for defrauding more than 230,000 investors, including 29,000 New Yorkers, of over a billion dollars. Hmm. Uh, so, of course, as, as we know, just to recap, Gemini... Gemini the Exchange, the Winklevii, lent funds to Genesis, owned by DCG, Barry Silbert's Digital Currency Group, as a part of its EARN program. Uh, that Some of that funds went to Three hours Capital, who, of course, got liquidated and didn't have any money to pay back, uh, with leaving Genesis with a $1.1 billion hole in it, also leaving Gemini unable to repay back its earned customers. So the main allegations here are Genesis' former CEO, uh, CEO Chorio, I am I'm, I'm just butchered that name, I apologize, and DCG's CEO, Barry Silbert. You, you don't have to apologize to that, <laughs> I don't think. That, that, that was a hard, that's a hard one. I don't know yeah. how to pronounce it. That uh, uh, and DCG CEO Barry Silbert defrauded the public by trying to conceal heavy losses that investors bore. Gemini knew Genesis's loans were unsecured at one point, highly concentrated with one entity, Alameda Research, but did not reveal this information to investors. Okay, so then, then the New York Attorney General comes in because like we've been watching the sh- uh, like throw poo at Barry Silbert, and Barry Silbert is saying I've, th- that's t- totally unfounded. And then the New York Attorney Gen- General comes in is like, both of you guys knew bad, bad stuff, stuff. And are, are both, of, both of you guys are guilty. Yeah, uh, my, so my that's is, is being charged.
0: Yeah, and, and by the way, I, the reason I said you don't have to, to apologize for the C, the pronunciation of the CEO's name is they should be apologizing to us and to all mm-hmm. of the the retail investors who uh, lost a lot of money. And there's you know some stories that we can get to uh, a little bit later. But I think my summary of this is uh, Gemini was was careless. Some might say right. reckless in right. terms of um, like what what it did with respect mm-hmm. to Genesis, but DCG. That was straight-up fraud. This is what friend of the show, Ram Alawala, uh, says. Um, FTX was worse than Madoff, and DCG was worse than Enron. So he's kind of agreeing. He says, this thread will show how and why the New York Attorney General's request will force a sale of Grayscale. So Grayscale Mm -hmm. might be sold, probably will be sold, as a result of this. He compares Enron and um, DCG. He says, the Enron fraud involved the use of off-balance sheet special-purpose entities to hide debt and inflate profits. Enron execs engaged in self-dealing transactions, and DCG, at least according to the allegations, did both of these and more. Through complex financial structures, Enron was able to disguise its true financial state, misleading investors and analysts, and DCG did the same thing. In fact, they misled Gemini as to their financial state. Gemini was like, okay... Th- these balance sheets don't look good. These, you know, transactions don't look quite right. Can you send us the update? They fabricated things. They misled. They, they, they stalled. They didn't give um, Gemini the truth here. So that that is the story. And wh- why I think this is interesting and relevant, David, is because this is really the last thing that we have to clean up from yeah. 2022. Yeah, yep. 2022 is such a, a mess, but we've been cleaning it up all year, and this is kind of the last thing that is in the end stages of being uh, cleaned up. But just a reminder of the, the human cost here. Uh, here's a sample of the human cost. This is from the New York Attorney General's case. Uh, there are 230,000 investors, $1 billion. That includes a 73-year-old grandmother and her husband, both retired, had their life savings in earn. Mm-hmm. All right? Not a good financial move, mm-hmm. but also there's some sense that um, the earn product was, was safe, and it certainly wasn't. It was uh, being papered over by, by fraud. Mm-hmm. I, I think on the back of this, You know, somebody could go like, hey, bankless guys, aren't you ashamed of crypto? Like what everything that your industry did? And I guess my response to that would be, I think the crypto bankers failed us last cycle. FTX, this costume I'm wearing, Barry Silbert, DCG, um, the CEOs of BlockFi, Alex Mashinsky, Celsius. The crypto bankers failed us once again. The crypto (laughs) protocols themselves kept working. So no, I'm not ashamed of crypto. I'm ashamed of some of the actors in this industry but once again, it was the centralized intermediaries who failed us, not the technology, not the protocols themselves, not the social layer of uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum and the other protocols. So, yeah, you know, th- that would be my answer to that. And I'm, I'm glad we're cleaning all of this up.
1: Yeah. And this is, of course, why we say protocols, not people, code, not kings, people. People will let you down. That's why we are putting our finance, in, our financial system into code. And and you named his name, but I think in inside of all of this with DCG, uh, Gemini, th- th- uh, there's one man who I think really takes more resp- ought to be taking more responsibility than I think even people are pointing towards him, and that's Alex Mashinsky. So <laughs> he is not related in yeah. this story. He is not part of DCG or any of this, but think about like we saw Zach Prince from BlockFi go onto the stand and testify for about the Sam Bankman-Fried case and he had to reveal like some of the financial calculus that he was making and the TLDR was he was gambling he was Mm. being irresponsible you said like the Gemini twins and Gemini Earn that they were also being responsible why was everyone being irresponsible why were all of like you know why are just normal people, like money managers running normal businesses? Why are they just straight up gambling with everyone's money? I'm going to point my finger uh, to a variety of places and also specifically to Alex Mashinsky because BlockFi, Gemini Earn had to compete with Celsius and Celsius was faking their yields out the yin-yang, right? And so they all had to go out on the risk curve because they all had to compete with Celsius, who wasn't playing fairly. They were just juicing up their yields by taking leverage and being an actual Ponzi scheme. And so they pulled all of Gemini, all of BlockFi with them out on the yield curve, on, on the risk curve, and pushing everyone's like this, this seventy-three-year-old grandma's life savings in further down the risk than what would be appropriate because Alex Mashinsky fucked it up for everyone. That's my well, take.
0: Well, you're on a tirade against Alex Mashinsky, and I, by the way, I haven't heard much about his prosecution, so I, yeah. I feel like we need to yeah. kind of look into how, how that is it, getting yeah. settled. Mm-hmm. But I do agree. There's like there's um there's some actors that are worse than others. In right. the previous cycle, right there, there are levels of, of fraud committed last cycle, and you know, <laughs> well, look at look at you, you just boosted up your suspenders, yeah, mid show here, David. My fenders, my <laughs> suspenders, <fell> down. <laughs> All right, give us well, you, well, you got your suspenders on. Give us the Uniswap take here. Unichain, Uniswap chain, t- Uni chain. T- t- okay, okay, what is so, this? What, do you, so what are you on about, David?
1: Yeah. Okay, so remember our old episode with Dan Elie- Eliezer saying Unichain is inevitable. Yeah. Okay, so here's You think Andrew- you found it? <laughs> I, th- I think I found it. Yeah. So Andrew Huang from uh, from Conduit uh, tweets out announcing the Uniswap V4 Sandbox, an OP Stack powered rollup by Conduit in collaboration with the Uniswap Foundation. Build your custom AMM on top of Uniswap's battle-tested contracts while still operating with existing liquidity instead instead of fragmenting it. Okay, so OP Stack rollup that is the Uni V4 Sandbox. Just a sandbox, just a sandbox, but it's an Op Stack Uni V four implementation. Okay, does the value go to accrue to Uni tokens in any way? Is that part of the the story here? I think I need more details on that. If this was a true Uniswap app chain, it would be powered by the Uni token. Maybe that could come later. Hmm. I think. I think this is right now. I am going to call this. Schrodinger's chain, as to like <laughs> whether or not it is actually the fully fledged Uniswap app chain that like we were talking about in that episode with Dan Eliezer will be determined by the market. Yeah. But this is where it would start.
0: Um, but but it, this also implies, doesn't it, that anybody can spin up their own quote unquote uni chain?
1: Yes, but Conduit is in a very specific position to do this because they are a roll up as a service provider. Conduit uh, is the infrastructure behind uh, Public goods network behind Zora chain behind a lot of the OP stack chains. Uh, also, we didn't have time to put it in the rollup, but Arbitrum Orbits just hit mainnet like are going live, and mm. Conduit is also doing Arbitrum Orbit chains. And so, one click deploy OP stack chains, one click deploy uh, Orbit chains. And so, this is Conduit saying, "Yo, we're gonna we're gonna do the Uni chain. We got we're gonna do the Uni chain."
0: <laughs> you know, this is uh, the good news about you know everyone was um, upset last week uh, about the um Uniswap interface taking a fee for swaps, Mm -hmm. right? Right. But the good news here for consumers is that fees will go down to the extent competition enters the marketplace. And now Mm -hmm. here is some more competition. Looks like forking Uniswap V4 code. It's
1: not competition with the front end. So the front end will still stay the same. But they could Um, just fork the front
0: end and put that on here and add their own... like, they don't uh, they
1: don't own like Uniswap.app, they don't own the URL, but they could just fork the front end. What I, I think, thought was pretty interesting, Ryan, if, if you go and click into the Uniswap Foundation Twitter, after Conduit released this announcement saying in collaboration with the Uniswap Foundation, the Uniswap Foundation had to put out this tweet which says, We are excited to acknowledge the <laughs> initiative, <laughs> initiative taken by Conduit in launching an optimistic roll up and enabled a testnet version of Uniswap v4. To clarify, Uniswap Foundation does not intend to carry this to mainnet hmm. or establish a formal partnership. They're saying, yo, like what, what is the Uniswap Foundation's like prerogative? What is their what is their like role in the world? They want more builders to build on Uniswap. They are not. They are saying like, yo, that's not our chain. That's not ours. That's not ours. I, there's an interesting
0: <laughs> I think you've uncovered an interesting dynamic here, David. I'm not sure what it all means. But yeah, let's keep our eye on this, shall we?
1: All right. I By the way, it. I love the drama. I speaking, love the chaos. Speaking
0: of new trains and chaos, mm-hmm. remember DYDX? It used to be an Ethereum roll-up. It is yep. no longer. Mm-hmm. It is now on a Cosmos. So it's a Cosmos app chain. And they just announced that today, this was someday as of um, this week, we're proud to present and fully open source the completed DYDX chain. So Antonio did it, David. Mm-hmm. A lot Finally of work did it. to oh, my yeah, it
1: like over a year, right?
0: Yeah, well, that's what he said it would take. Mm-hmm. It's a, a lot of work. And sure. um, here, there it is. It's it's yep. Cosmos. I think it's it's um, the largest DeFi perps exchange uh, out there by a long shot. Yeah. It is now on Cosmos. So mm-hmm. um, that is, I think, bullish for the Cosmos community.
1: Yeah, I think this is going to be, this is now some data that we get to get. Uh, like what happens if your app does... Uh, leave Ethereum for your own Cosmos IBC app chain. like, mm-hmm. And then what happens next? Finally, we'll be able to take a look. David,
0: uh, I think I found my bottom signal on nfts this week oh, yeah? by the way yeah i've been waiting for it a time i know like, you're a huge secret closet you know NFT i'm guy. a huge nft fan right yeah. but i'm just looking for like a price to buy and i yeah. feel like i finally found the bottom signal yeah. for jpegs and it's from none other than not a friend of the show uh andrew tate okay oh oh <laughs> so boy. uh this is a take i want to play for you from uh andrew tate he's talking about nfts and of course this is gonna this be, is...
1: be the first time i've ever listened to Andrew tate. really it's, okay it's here we go
2: today we're gonna talk about there was a time when very successful, rich people were trying to convince me to spend <laughs> millions of dollars on a JPEG. And they tried to explain to me that it's on the blockchain and it's one of one and you can see on the blockchain, who the fuck is checking the blockchain for my <laughs> JPEG? Chain? Who cares? Three million for a Bugatti, fine, drive the Bugatti. Three million for a JPEG. People can just copy and save the JPEG. She <laughs> said it. No, my JPEG's the real one. It's on the blockchain. Look on the blockchain. If you go to etherscan.com, bro. He said etherscan. Planner? Nobody gives a fuck. By I interscan, checking the blockchain, even if I proved after all that I owned that picture, guess who would care? No one. Only <laughs> nerds. It was a circle jerk of a nerd.
1: <laughs> Only nerds. <laughs> Did so, Andrew so that's just call us nerds? That's yeah, great. yeah.
0: He goes, on, he, he goes on a rant about uh, NFT crypto influencers here. Are you ready for this? Where if you
2: make oh, a whole bunch of money okay. with crypto, guess what you learned? That's not, not us, though. though. You didn't learn anything. You are still a dork. But now you're a rich dork, <laughs> which makes you a mega dork. <laughs> money doesn't change who you are it amplifies
0: <laughs> there you go i could go on this is a 10-minute rant david but i think that is the bottom signal <laughs> for wow. nfts we are all, all right, a bunch which, of which mega NFT gonna buy? uh i don't know yet if you got any suggestions yeah let a me a crypto know. punk a crypto dude they're still freaking expensive in e-terms
1: I want... to an cry comer. about <laughs> it. They're, they're the first <laughs> NFTs on Ethereum. It's just a JPEG. Right. It's not also that people will throw a flag. They're not the first, but they're the first meaningfully highly priced NFTs on Ethereum with the branding of... What are we talking? Which,
0: How much ETH are we talking?
1: I think the floor one is like 45 to 50 Dude, That's ETH.
0: more than an ETH validator.
1: That's a lot of ETH. I bet you one CryptoPunk will get you more yield in ETH terms, more returns in ETH you terms think? A, you think? Validator.
0: You think a CryptoPunk has higher returns. It's going to outperform, an it's gonna ether outperform Ether. A
1: validator. Yes. Yes. CryptoPunk will outperform
0: Ether. Yes. See, you know what? I think I'll be perpetually stuck on this where every time like, it goes down in price or I see a bottom signal, I'll be like, but it's just a JPEG. And I'd rather hold ETH. Mm. So maybe I'll just never be. I'll, I'll never okay, well be that. Then, one of you, then
1: David. I'll suggest to you um, uh, a Mad Lab because then you don't have to, you have to sell your ether for it. You can sell I don't know something else soul tokens because you, you have to buy soul. I know. Okay. I don't. Th- I don't think you have any soul. You have to buy soul and then you have to then you have to buy it. So you, you don't sell your ether. Just sell your like sell Fiat my souls. All yeah, right, sell your souls. i right, your soul, that. Yeah. David, this, is, this uh, is my my Mad Lab is my Solana exposure. Yeah, yeah.
0: That's okay. That, so that's it. You're all in on uh, Mad Labs and I no soul tokens one. right now. Yeah, that's right. Um, David in regulatory news, I thought we had something great, uh, which was, do you know, the Republican party has been sh- really struggling <laughs> to find a new, um, house majority leader. And there mm-hmm. was a brief window of time where it looked like it might have been Tom Emmer, right, which of course, is uh, one of crypto's strongest allies, friend of the podcast. He's been on Bankless many times. He believes in this whole thing that we're doing. Yeah. At least he says he does. Peer-to-peer money. He's against digital authoritarianism. He showed up at the Permissionless Conference. We did a panel. I know that this man understands crypto, and he was nominated as Speaker of the House. So I put this tweet out, and I said, Tom Emmer could become Speaker of the House. He's just been nominated. Bullish. What happens? Four hours later. <laughs> wow. Uh it, it, it's it. It seems like uh, Trump uh, nuked it. Maybe some others nuked the the nominations that he's kind of not fit. Um, You know how these politics, uh, political things go. They knew House Majority Leader has just been uh, elected, though. And his name, the most generic name ever, Mike Johnson. Mike Johnson. Um, His crypto sentiment, he's kind of an unknown, like in Hmm. general. And he's also an unknown with respect to crypto. So uh, he, of course, is... um, a Republican on the Coinbase public policy uh, app website. It's basically like unclear. Crypto sentiment, mm-hmm. unclear, not enough data to determine. So mm-hmm. I don't really know what this means TV for game. crypto. I, I just know we missed a good one with uh, Tom yeah. Emmer. Uh, and I'm not necessarily optimistic yeah. <laughs> about Mike Johnson. But yeah, uh, the last we will see.
1: unknown person to take some leadership position was Gary Gensler. But at least yeah. it's more general. All right, so Ryan, this came across my desk this week. Song.tech. Sound yes. familiar? Sound familiar? Uh, Friend.tech. Friend.tech. Tech? So- yeah. Now, song.tech. All right. Now, instead of buying friends, your friend's shares, you can buy your song shares, so- songs in Spotify, just like songs. You can buy songs. Guess what's the number one most valued song? <laughs> Never going to give you up. Wow. Never going <laughs> to give you up nice. by Rick Astley. Yeah. yeah. Ast- Astley. Astley. Yeah. I don't know what number two is, but "Pump It Up" by Endor. Somebody, somebody, bankless listener probably knows that. Uh, Number three, "Sandstorm" by Darude. Uh, Number four, "All I Want for Christmas Is You" by Mariah Carey. Number five, "99 Problems" by uh, Jay Z. One more time, Daft Punk. Uh, Daniel. Okay, then number coming in at number seven, "I Just Need" Daniel Allen. You don't know who that is? I'm guessing. No. Who's this? No. Okay, so why is Daniel Allen here, and who is Daniel Allen? Yeah. Daniel Allen is a music nft guy oh. and all of a sudden he his songs are at number seven on the charts okay so the, the again this is just a bonding curve it's on base i'm pretty sure it's on base uh and you're buying and selling shares of songs uh because that you kind of for the same reason why people buy shares of, of yeah, but their who, friends who, seg- who gets this david do do the artists actually get the fees here so if you are a spot, this is the genius. This is the, the virality as- aspect of this and why I think that this is really interesting. Yeah. If you are the artist, where's Taylor Swift? Taylor Swift's uh, coming in at a, yeah, 11, cool summer and yeah. 12. Yeah. Uh, if you are Taylor Swift and you own the Spotify creator account of Taylor Swift, you can log into friend, uh, song. Oh tech my God and, and claim the stuff? fees. Yes. Okay. No so, freaking way. Yes. 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 This uh, is okay. genius. Yes. Uh-huh. Okay, so 10% of fees, just like Tech, Uh, but all the holders of shares receive 5% of those fees, half of the fees, and then the other half of those fees are reserved for the artists themselves. So Taylor Swift has a claim on all of the trading fees that are going on on song. Dot tech. Because she because obviously owns she the Spotify had, creator account. Because she account. controls the Spotify creator account. So rather right. than
0: sue these people or whatever, Taylor right. Swift could just be like, oh, Claim this it. is cool. Yep. I get
1: money. I get money. And yep. I get maybe yep. more money
0: than mm-hmm. I would for um, streaming this on. It's right. another revenue source for me. in the yep. T-Swift That's empire. That's exactly
1: right. Yeah. And so Daniel Allen, he, he has claimed his Spotify account. And so he's earning, as the creator, he's earning 5% fees from the songs that people are buying and or selling. Yeah. And How I guess it, crazy is that?
0: I guess it rests on Spotify's ability to um, authenticate artists. And right. I, I'm sure they have that. I mean, that's already kind yep. of a solved problem, yeah. right? Wow. Mm-hmm. Really I smart. think
1: this is genius. Okay. So currently it's only 500 songs. Yeah. So, uh, we're in phase two. I think the first phase was 100. Uh, 1,000 songs is coming in with phase three. Uh, I think this is great. Uh, let, me this go, is awesome. let me go buy song, some T-Swift. www.songdoc.tech all right. Pretty cool. That's cool. Shake It Off by Taylor Swift. Great Taylor Swift song. I <laughs> <love it. laughs> really? That's it's your it's favorite T-Swift oh? song? Oh yeah. Me, me and my brother-in-law are big Taylor Swift fans and my sister makes fun oh of
0: it. Oh my God. I, f- I feel like that's not what a like a true Swifty would say. They, they would go deeper on some of her albums. That's like the, the popular oh, song a, she I'm has. I'm not a true Swifty. I just
1: know <laughs> that that song fucks.
0: David, lastly, a new investment from Bankless Ventures that we're both pretty excited about. It's in privacy as well, yeah. which I think Bankless listeners should know about. We got some new privacy tech coming to Ethereum in the form of Nocturne. What is Nocturne, David?
1: Okay, so Nocturne. First, they've raised $6 million, co-led by Bank Capital and Polytrain with participation from Vitalik Buterin, Tim Bako, uh, and of course, Bankless Ventures, which is why we're bringing this up. Uh, we cover all of the raises from Bankless Ventures portfolio companies as a inception of conflict of interest for you all here on the podcast. And then also we get to talk about what they do. What does Nocturne do, Ryan? I'm so glad you asked. Nocturne is this innovation in the world of account abstraction and stealth addresses. It is bas- basically... Your private Ethereum account, uh, and so you know how you have an ENS name, rsa.eth, and you've gone to the uh, ENS website and you've you've registered your ENS name to your uh, Ethereum account. So yeah. there's like you know zero x f seven three four two, and you've just registered rsa.eth to it. You can do the same thing with a private account. So you register a private account to a public account. No one knows that you've registered it. You, you just this is the power of zero knowledge cryptography, and then all of a sudden you have a private account using this thing called stealth addresses, your private account can make transactions that engage with DeFi. And so using zero-knowledge cryptography, a thing called a stealth address will be generated by Nocturne. And a stealth address is a one-time use address. It's like a mask. You just put on the mask over your private account. You put on the stealth address mask. And then using zero-knowledge cryptography, the stealth address will go to Uniswap and say, hey, Uniswap, I will prove to you that I have 10 Ether That I would like to sell for USDC or something like this. Mm. And then the Uniswap is like, Oh, you do, you do have the 10 ether. The stealth address has it because it has a zero knowledge cryptography link to your private account. Then the stealth address makes the transaction and then makes the trade. And then the funds, the trade happens and the, the actual private account makes the trade, but the stealth address obfuscates it. So Mm. no one can see which account is actually making the trade. Same thing for sending you payments or receiving payments. Where, where do
0: the funds end up? They just stay in the stealth address? or They stay in the stealth address, yes. Uh-huh. What, what happens it's, when it, I want to take them out?
1: Uh, a okay. the, uh, stealth address uh, sends it outbound from the private account to a public account, and then all of a sudden it's no longer in the private account.
0: Ah, very cool.
1: Yeah. Very cool. The, so The this, other cool thing for, that, is, that, that I think is really nifty here is that say you want to send me money, yeah. you will not have to say... Hey David, can you generate a stealth address for me so I can send you this money privately? What you would do, kind of like like I was saying, you just have the ENS thing registered. You would go and you would type in Davidhoffman.eth into the Nocturne system. And then Nocturne would be like, oh yeah, there is a there is a private account registered oh, here. Yeah. Here's a stealth address so you can send them money. Yeah. And this and is all of like happening, this is all happening behind the scenes. You know how like in Venmo, if you Venmo someone, you can just like toggle it private. Yeah. Like the bull case for Nocturne here is that you just have that button send privately embedded into your wallet and so you don't go to Nocturne it just becomes like you have your public wallet and you have your private wallet I think it's super cool
0: this might be like one of the ways we fixed um, privacy in, in crypto, mm-hmm. right? This is that yes. SSL layer for yes. our, uh, our crypto right. transactions. Very cool. This is going to be a public good. When, when is this going to be available? When is uh, Nocturne actually rolling out publicly?
1: They are looking to roll out their launch of the V1, so you know, people can get their hands on this, in the middle of November. Uh, specific date, TBD, uh, middle of November.
0: Very soon. All right, David. What do we have coming up next? Big congrats to Nocturne. I I met them at
1: Zuzalu. There, this is this is the privacy tool that I have been trying to get my hands on.
0: Much needed, much needed. Uh, Mm -hmm. What do we have coming up next?
1: Coming up next, is it a good time to be in Ether with all of the regulatory threat around, or should we rotate into something else? Uh, That's question number one. Question number two: Will the governments of the world ban Bitcoin? Uh, not just a question. This is Balaji's take. Balaji's take. We're going to talk about some questions and some other takes from the world of crypto Twitter. But 1st a moment to talk about these fantastic sponsors that make this show possible. Arbitrum is accelerating the Web3 landscape with a suite of secure Ethereum scaling solutions. Hundreds of projects have already deployed on Arbitrum One with flourishing DeFi and NFT ecosystems. Arbitrum Nova is quickly becoming a Web3 gaming hub and social dApps like Reddit are also calling Arbitrum home. And now, Arbitrum Orbit allows you to use Arbitrum's secure scaling Technology to build your own layer three, giving you access to interoperable, customizable permissions with dedicated throughput. Whether you are a developer, enterprise, or user, Arbitrum Orbit lets you take your project to new heights. All of these technologies leverage the security and decentralization of Ethereum and provide a builder experience. That's intuitive, familiar, and fully EVM compatible. Faster transaction speeds and significantly lower gas fees. So visit arbitrum.io where you can join the community, dive into the developer docs, bridge your assets, and start building your first app with Arbitrum. Experience Web3 development the way it was always meant to be. Secure, fast, cheap, and friction-free. Here's a question from KiwiDog4.
0: One of the big selling points for DeFi and crypto is that anyone can read and view the chain. How do we reconcile this with the ultimate goal of a fully private chain? I like and want privacy, but I feel like we're losing something almost mm. as important. ZK proofs allow some verifiability, but can we really ZK prove enough to make up for the loss in transparency? It's funny we are just talking right. about privacy right. uh, no, before the, before yeah, the break. Now the question. There's a reason why we
1: have this question in here right yeah. now. Yeah. Is that a mm-hmm. good thing?
0: What, what do you say to
1: that? Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll kind of reframe this. Say, like, one of the big selling points for DeFi's crypto is that anyone can view and read the chain what if I changed that statement to one of the big selling points for DeFi and crypto is that anyone can verify the integrity of the chain. Mm. So I think those, those are different statements, but I think that that kind of points towards the goal here. Uh, using zero knowledge cryptography, you get privacy, but you can verify integrity, right? Aave might be able to hide its pools, but it can provide proof of reserves, for example. Um, just being able to audit the chain is certainly valuable, but you some, we can still audit the chain and audit the state of the chain and audit the integrity of the chain and the integrity of people's balances without actually disclosing what they are. Uh, and so I would actually kind of reframe, like maybe the goal of crypto isn't to have like all of our world's finances out in the open, but to very simply prove that what we are saying is true or the integrity of people's um, uh, collateral, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, so I think, I think we, we can have our cake and eat it too here.
0: I do think we'll we'll sort this out the same way the internet uh, sort of this out. Is Of course, we have a lot on the internet that's public, right? Like mm-hmm. a website, you can publish it. It's completely public. Anyone in the world can access it, right? It, that's a great thing. But you also have HTTPS, right? Which is mm-hmm. when you want to send your credit card information, that piece gets encrypted. Right. You don't want to broadcast yep. that. You don't want that right. part to be public. Right. And so I think what will happen with crypto is all of the things that benefit from auditability, Transparency; those will will remain public. Those will remain on chain. But the things that we want to keep private, those will have an SSL type of wrapper right. where they're where they're encrypted and private. So I think we'll find the right balance here. Now, I don't know that uh, the governments will uh, feel the same way, right? Sure. I think I think governments want everything digital to be like fully open to their purview. So that might be a fight we have to fight. And that actually brings us to the next question of the week from um, Alex Rowe, After the IRS episode, I started thinking about portfolio allocation. Bitcoin seems to be accepted by mainstream, but ETH can still be greatly devalued by regulation. How do you guys stay so heavily weighted in ETH with this potential threat? I'm 95% ETH right now, but I'm thinking I should rebalance more to Bitcoin. What do you say to that, David?
1: Yeah, okay. So Alex Rowe is saying, hey, uh, TradFi is just totally accepting Bitcoin with open arms, but regulation is going to uh, ultimately focus on Ethereum because of DeFi, uh, how do you guys square that concern? Uh, isn't that bearish? My answer is like no that's that's <laughs> bullish. That's extremely Why? bullish Why? Uh, if if the incumbents of the world, the banking system, the regulators, the nation states feel threatened by something you do want to it. I right want thing. to buy that thing I yeah. you're on that you're on target here. Yeah. Uh, I've always kind of had to take that Bitcoin is relatively impotent. And that's why Wall Street just accepts it with open arms. Like it's actually just not a threat. Yeah. You know, it's a really, you know, it's really a threat. DeFi. DeFi. Yeah. Like ZK proofs. Uh, and so that th- it's it's a threat because it's valuable. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm like, I, I will buy that asset over and over and over again.
0: Yeah, I I, I do agree. The fact that incumbents are threatened is Bullish, like bullish, usually, <laughs> right? But that doesn't mean there might uh, not like in the short run. It they, they right. could put a lot of regulatory pressure on uh, Ethereum, and it's true. C- Ethereum has more surface area to, to regulate, right? And but that's because Ethereum has more surface area for value creation. That's why there's right. more space yep. to to regulate it. Right. it. The the other question I would have is back to what we said earlier in this episode is, uh, ask yourself, Alex. Um, are you just doing this because Bitcoin had a really good... Are you thinking <laughs> this way because Bitcoin had a really good month? Alex, really are you chasing the
1: pump? <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right. Like, seriously, ask yourself that. Because um, the crackdown has been real for the last uh-huh. year. Uh, regulatory crackdown. And just now you're thinking about this. So, I, you know, I would ask yourself that. But the other thing, is, and maybe I just wanted to fit this uh, mental model in because I wanted to hear what you think about it, David. But I think a, you bet on Bitcoin if you th- if you think crypto is more like a religion. And you bet on Ethereum if you think crypto is more like an economy. Like it's more economic in nature, right? So like the the most bullish thing about Ethereum is its block space being highly valuable and tied to uh, an economy. The most bullish thing about Bitcoin is that it wins this kind of um, vitriolic like meme narrative of like just passionate uh, basically, insane people who are going to hold their Bitcoin to the grave, right? Right. Yeah. Um, and those both those models are true. And by by the way, I I think big, like I think crypto is both of those things. I think right. it's e- an economy, too, it's religion. Sure. It, I think it's both. Yeah. Um, but I think um, Ethereum leans more economy maybe right. than than uh, Bitcoin. Um, and so I- if you think of it in that way, then yeah, a regulatory crackdown might be bad in the short run, but I think. An economy can outperform mm-hmm. um, a religion, and when you tie those two things together, it becomes incredibly powerful. Yes. That's maybe a, a, a pie in the sky uh, way, yeah. way to answer this too. But I guess the last thing I'll say is, um, I have not rotated out of ETH towards Bitcoin. Um, that's that's backwards. I think You're going backwards in history ever. I have yeah. done the opposite uh-huh. yeah. uh, several times. The last time I did that, I bought some Ether with my Bitcoin was uh 2018-2019 wow uh, that was so long ago yeah when <laughs> you know when bitcoin was up uh relative to ether and i haven't changed i feel no desire to change i still have some bitcoin i have much more eth uh and i'm very comfy right now um, very comfy yeah i I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about that But not financial advice. You gotta you gotta um, weigh these things out for yourself. Ryan,
1: advice for Ryan. Yeah, Mm -hmm.
0: David takes of the week. Since it's Bitcoin week, we have a question. You're gonna walk me through
1: this take, actually.
0: Okay, so here's a question I saw that uh, was asked of Bology, Uh, and the question was this, which I think is a good question. I'm wondering Bology if you can talk about the prospects of Bitcoin being banned and what you would do in that case, and how you would buy gold custodially. Balaji, of course, ignored the last part. He would not buy gold custodially. But he had this really good mental model um, where he thinks that the world's nation states will actually trifurcate in three different kind of areas. The one is there will be Bitcoin atheist uh, nation states. These are nations that crack down on crypto, right? So the Elizabeth Warren tribe, war Mm -hmm. against crypto, or maybe uh, totalitarian uh, China, which says like, crypto is banned, right? Bitcoin atheist types of states and crypto atheist states. Then he thinks there will be nation states that he calls Bitcoin monotheists, that basically they only embrace uh, Bitcoin and they don't embrace the other coins, right? So uh, probably an example, proto example of this would be El Salvador. They're very Bitcoin friendly. Are they Ethereum friendly? Are they crypto? Are they blockchain friendly? No, they're just Bitcoin friendly. And then he thinks... There will be a third cohort of nation states called the Bitcoin polytheists, which are like Bitcoin and then everything else, all of the other coins. So crypto. Yeah, crypto. And so he frames things as a Bitcoin, right. Bitcoin, Bitcoin, yeah, right? Big because is a Bitcoiner. Yes, he is. But the, the, those that reject crypto, those that just embrace, like Bitcoin maximalist nation states, and then fully crypto nation states. And he thinks that the fully crypto Bitcoin polytheist states will be um, like, basically the economic hubs of the world, the the future New York's, uh, the future Singapore's, the future Hong Kong's, that kind of thing. Anyway, so different than an outright ban, right? Mm-hmm. This kind of
1: breakdown. What, what do you think of that? What do you think of that take? It sounds like it's just like a level of banning as a function of how, when crypto came about. So like so he's saying, okay, some States will just ban crypto altogether, not even include Bitcoin. Some will include Bitcoin. And then some will include the rest of the, the risk curve, Ethereum, Solana, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. I think that this is a Bitcoiner's take. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't, uh, he's putting a Bitcoin atheist, Bitcoin monotheist, Bitcoin polytheist. Yeah. Like that's a Bitcoin centric version of reality. That yeah. I think that very few people will uh, operate with. My, so, my take
0: on it is the, the framing of the three is probably correct. I I, I think there's going to be a, a lot fewer Bitcoin monotheists than he thinks. Like it yeah. might just be like El Salvador right. and a couple of right. other countries. Yes,
1: that's the Bitcoin centric nature of it. Yeah, Bitcoin's <laughs> I, not that special. Sorry, apology. <laughs> <laughs> David, what are you bullish on this week, man? <laughs> uh, I'm bullish on crypto people being okay. the spearhead against the corruption of the establishment. Huh. Uh, I think once upon a time. Uh, crypto people were uh, considered to be like weird basement dwelling libertarians. And over time, we, we have increased the fold of who is a crypto person. Uh, now we have like culture and art people and NFT people uh, as crypto people. So like we've become more normal. Uh, meanwhile, the state has increased its, I would say it's authoritarianism. It's, it's, the authoritarian curiosities, uh, and we are seeing this play out with like Nick Carter's just vendetta against the Wall Street Journal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Balaji has been going after mainstream media for like a decade now. What um, Liz Warren is being the spearhead of, like, I am the the state that is completely misaligned with facts and reality, perhaps on purpose. Uh, and I think the crypto people of the world are ready to show leadership as a community to push back against corruption, to push back against the authoritarian tendencies of the state. Uh, Crypto people were bold. We're not afraid to call out BS. Uh, We have exposure to assets that go up when the state does bad things uh, as a check on the state. I am bullish on the leadership of the crypto industry to show the rest of the world what's at stake. I uh, hope so. so I, that I, is that, th- what I'm bullish th- on. That's
0: an optimistic perspective. And I, I think we have that in us, uh, particularly mm-hmm. the settlers, the, the crypto natives who have um, stayed around. I can tell you that the rest of the world doesn't see crypto people like that. The rest of the world, they see this guy right here, me in the FTX shirt. Yeah. That's He's what they going to jail. Yeah.
1: We are putting him in jail. Yeah. Well, uh, I guess they they are not saying like crypto people are putting them in jail. They're yeah. saying yeah. I think the okay. I guess I am we'll I'm, I'm fully we'll on board
0: there. with your optimistic take, and uh-huh. um, I just think that we have to get there, and uh, it could take some time.
1: Ryan, what are you bullish on?
0: I am bullish on uh, the bull cycle, David. I mean, we, we called it earlier in this episode. You agreed on the bull to me. Cycle. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I think we broke the back of the bear market this week. Yeah. Like Even I think we did bearish. it. Yep. The episode with um, uh, Ledger uh, mm-hmm. confirmed it for me. And so I have like three resolutions for if this is the start of the bull run, for the start of this bull run. Um, the first is, this time, I'm going to do things right, David. I'm going to have oh, a cell plan. did you not plan. do
1: things right beforehand? <laughs>
0: I did things okay. Like better okay. than my first. Sure, so this this will be my third. Uh, and um, I improved last cycle mm-hmm. over the previous cycle, and I want to do another layer of improvement. So here's what I'm going to do. Well, One, okay. I'm going to have a cell plan to take yep. some stuff off the top, right? Okay. when. Uh, Like you have a dollar cost average plan in you can you can dollar cost average out at a specific price or, you know, time intervals or however you want to do it. For me, it's price. You know, when X coin hits Y, I'm going to sell Z amount. It's basically that. That's what a sell plan is. And coming up with that while you're sober, you're still sober now. We're not drunk Mm -hmm. in the bull market. Like, believe me, we're still just kind of wondering if it's true or not. Um, So now's the time to create a sell plan for me and probably for you, Bankless listener. Mm -hmm. Um, The second is I want to have a stake plan. So mm. I ain't selling all of this, David, at all, not by any stretch. I think Ether uh, ETH specifically, and some might say Bitcoin too, but for me it's um, mainly Ethereum and, and a little bit of Bitcoin, is a long-term hold asset, like long-term generations I'm talking about, right? Like right. many decades. So I want to have a stake plan of my forever hold ETH where I'm just not, it's not going anywhere. So I mm. a sell plan, a stake plan, and then lastly, I want to have some more fun. This bull cycle, <laughs> all right. Like last cycle, I felt like the first cycle, I was worried, you know, right. and just not knowing what I got into. The last cycle, I felt like it was kind of a grind, right. you know, like we were just busy. We we're doing a Bro, lot. We
1: put out so much content last. We did,
0: cycle. we did, it and we're still gonna insane. put out
1: content, but we're still gonna put out that much. I just I
0: just want to <laughs> enjoy it more, right? right and right, like, right. Um, it's over before you know it. You right. know what I mean? It, so. Yeah. Time it's, it's
1: time speeds up during the bull market. Yep. So you, I think you listeners should definitely count for that. Yeah. So the that's perception what I'm doing. of time goes way faster.
0: That's my plan. That's why I'm bullish on David. We got a meme of the week. What are we looking meme at? Meme of
1: the here? week. We are looking at what are we looking at? I forgot. Oh yeah. Okay. So here's Tom Schmidt uh, of Dragonfly saying. Uh, this is the classic SpongeBob meme of Squidward in the dark room looking out at SpongeBob and Patrick just frolicking around having a ton of fun. And the caption is Last Cycle's Fraudsters Watching the Pump from Pre Trial Detention. <laughs> we got two that's SpongeBob you, That's you, Rob. That's you. That's not me. That's me. <laughs> that's you. Hey, me. I, uh, we got two SpongeBob memes in
0: this episode, oh, David. So we? w- oh, well yeah, done. We did, yeah, I did.
1: Yeah, everyone knows I'm a big SpongeBob. Fan.
0: <laughs> Guys, going to end with the risks and disclaimers in a minute, but first, disclosures. Uh, David and I mentioned Polygon in the episode. I am an advisor to Polygon. David and I are both advisors to Optimism. I think we mentioned them as well. Uniswap is a bankless sponsor. You guys know that. Bankless Ventures are investors in Nocturne. We name that in the section. Of course, we are long-term investors. We're not journalists. We don't do paid content. There's always a link to our disclosures in the show notes. Before I give you the risks, I want to tee up this moment of Zen. We talked about Tom Emmer. He could have been Speaker of the House. Moment of Zen is all about what could have been it was okay, lost man. in those four hours so stay tuned for that crypto is risky you could lose what you put in but we are headed west it's the frontier it's not for everyone but we're glad you're with us on the bankless journey happy halloween and thanks a lot
2: crypto when it comes to the, the economic uh, issues i believe it's towards the top of the list but again that's that's me you've got to be ready with the right people to be telling the administration they don't have to be uh, pro-crypto, just don't be anti-crypto, be pro-innovation and let America do what Americans are best at, which is create and innovate. We love it, right? We we love uh, Web3, the ownership economy, the idea that we can do business directly with one another and we don't have to have intermediaries uh, not that we'll never need them but uh, we get to choose them right they're definitely a lot of people talk about is there a choke point 2.0 uh, trying to debank uh, crypto well you got to tell me uh, i this is this a coincidence that we lost uh, silvergate uh, silicon valley and its signature uh, all within a matter of days uh, a couple of weeks Uh, I don't think there is any coincidence, gentlemen. Uh, uh, The key for us uh, is to keep being positive. The courts have started to do the right thing, which uh, is a a great point. Uh, basically pointing out what all of us have been saying. Uh, And you just got to stay the course, because uh, the future is going to be about what you're doing. It's already here. The question is, will it happen here in this country, or are we going to push it out uh, off our shores? Gary Gensler, who I believe is one of the uh, uh, best examples of a bad faith regulator. This guy's been choosing to blindly spray the crypto community with enforcement actions, yet he keeps missing the true bad actors. He goes after all the good people in the space. This new area is all about people being able to get capital, to expend capital, to grow new ideas, to improve their lifestyle, I got news for you. That's not a Republican or Democrat thing. That's an American thing. I'll I'll reclaim my time. Mr. Gensler, despite your years of rhetoric, like today, I'm convinced you are not an impartial regulator. Instead, it's clear that you are working to consolidate your own power, even though it means crushing opportunities for everyday Americans, and frankly, the financial future of this country. Even the federal courts are highlighting the damage you, sir, are doing to our constituents, and they're telling you that you don't have the legal authority to accomplish your goal of squashing competition in the financial markets. This is what frustrates me with uh, Elizabeth Warren. Uh, Elizabeth Warren, if she truly believed in the American value of self determination, if she truly believed, in an individual's right to make their own decisions, when she claims she would champion crypto. She would champion digital assets. Instead, it's very clear to me that she's nothing more than a big central bank uh, uh, power hungry uh, leader who sees her power essentially being diluted and taken away by this decentralization of our financial system and our financial transactions, Ryan, she's desperately, along with the establishment, the institution, she is desperately clinging to hold on to that central banking thing because that's where their power is. You want crypto and everything associated with it to grow here, to innovate and grow here, because that will grow the economic pie for everyone. Republicans, Democrats, that's the only way. I'm going to tell you right now, my belief is that's the only way that you can deal with the $32 trillion in debt.